I V M. Hello and welcome to the Habit Coach Podcast. I am Ashton Doctor, your Habit Coach. And today with us for a second time, we have Akshay Pai. If you haven't heard the first episode, please go and make sure you listen to it because we deep dived into supplements. And this is something that, like I said, I'm very passionate about because I think supplements are extremely important because they add that little bit to your uh, nutrition. And nutrition is such an important thing for our life. Today, we're going to be talking about five supplements some of which you may have used, some you may have never heard of, but that we feel are something that you can explore, try out and see how they can fit into your life. So Akshay, welcome to the Habit Coach Podcast. Thanks, Ashton. So Akshay, the last time we spoke about, we were talking about, you know, supplements and why supplements were important. Now, which are the kinds of supplements that you feel in today's day and age, we need more of than ever? So I think this is something that we touched on the last time, omega-3 supplements for sure. I think there's tremendous value in that for for most people. So tell us a little bit about omega supplements. Like what are they? Why are they important in our body? So omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids are essential nutrients that we need to get from the food we eat. And uh, what they do is they regulate the inflammation process in our body. So there's these, there's, a, there's short chain omega-3 and omega-6 that are found in nuts and seeds and oils, which, um, which, which then get converted by our body into these longer forms, which have the effect that they do. Omega-3, the short-chain omega-3, it's um, alpha-linolenic acid, ALA, which is found in food, is in high quantities in foods like flax and chia, gets converted by our body into EPA and DHA, which EPA has incredible anti-inflammatory properties. Um, and DHA is an integral part of our brain, our nerves, our eyes, and even our skin to some extent. It's, it's actually pretty crazy because what they've seen is that mothers who have higher intakes of DHA when they're pregnant and while, while feeding, have infants with measurably better eyesight and uh, cognition at age four. So, uh, yeah, this is not to say that's the supplementation thing, but generally if their diets have more, there's a correlation to brain and eye health in the but that's, infants. That's the exact thing, right? Because when we talk about supplements, we're talking about nothing but the building blocks. And, and that's what it is. If you have enough good quality building blocks, you will have enough good quality organs and, and, and the body, which is a good quality. Absolutely. So critical. And uh, but just a disclaimer there, I mean, anyone who's pregnant or feeding should be consulting their doctor before taking any sort of supplement. Yeah, but of yeah, course. There's incredible value in these things. And you see that same thing in the research coming out now where supplementation with DHA at high doses, um, it, it's showing to have an effect in... Uh, Skin health for sure, but um, in, in things like uh, neurological health as well. Um, but of course, in, in the context of an, its anti-inflammatory properties, it really helps with recovery post-exercise, with joint inflammation particularly. There's a lot of benefits with omega-3 supplements that I think that is going to be even more beneficial to people in living in urban centers, living, uh, living relatively active lives without too much focus on their nutrition because... This is something that's really difficult to get into your diet unless you're trying really hard. Your normal sources would be flax seeds and chia and, um, or ultimately uh, seafood or uh, free-range meat. Correct. Free-range meats aren't that accessible as of now in India. Correct. They're not um, easy to find. And most yeah. of the farmed meats are packed actually with omega-6s because absolutely. of the kind of corn, etc. That, that they're fed. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, that's absolutely right. And similarly with the fish, 
Um, so the reason why, why, why we feel that omega-3 supplementation is incredibly important is that with, if, it's, if you're depending entirely on your body, in, on your diet to get these into your body, it's, um, it's a pretty precarious balancing act. So if it's through fish, it needs to be fatty fish. So that limits it to um, certain fish that might not, uh, you know, like one thing that's particularly popular in Bombay is pomfret. It's not a fatty not- fish at all. Some amount, but not as mm. much as say a uh, mackerel, Correct. which is 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 much higher. Mm. And um, and then it depends on how much you cook it, whether you're deep frying it or steaming it or grilling it. There's loss of omega three um, at varying levels through each of these. So deep frying fish gets rid of almost 85 percent of the uh, EPA and DHA. So these sorts of things make it a. It just is a little tougher to do this over time. And so what are the supplement sources? Sorry, what are the supplement sources of these? Um, so are fish oil tablets one source? Are omega-3s as a separate supplement one source? Are DHA one source? How should you actually break this down and, and choose? Which sure. One? So um, an omega-3 supplement, any supplement that's coming from a biological source is normally going to be from something that is that is rich in that particular nutrient in a, so that it can be efficiently extracted and put into a supplement. This generally as a rule. So with fish oil, fish oil is a great source of uh, EPA and DHA. The fish don't actually make the omega-3 themselves, but um, the food they eat is marine algae and algae produce um, these omega-3s. So fish eat, eat um, the algae. And so if the fish oil that you're using is from lower down the food chain, you know, you'll have a higher concentration of it. Whereas uh, the larger fish like a salmon and things like that are eating the little fish and that's how they get their omega-3. And that's what makes them rich and it builds up over time. So like, we, so, like it, cod liver oil is very famous, right? What are your thoughts on cod liver oil? So cod liver oil is uh, literally from the liver of a cod. And while it has omega-3 in it, it also has a lot of other nutrients like um, vitamin D3, for example. Uh, so, but as a percentage of omega-3, it's not your most efficient source. Um, it would be about, you know, it's 30% or less omega-3 per capsule. So if you're popping uh, 100 mg of fish of uh, cod liver oil, you're getting about 30 mg of uh, EPA plus DHA. And you want to be crossing 100-150 mg a day, ideally. You get vegan uh, DHA supplements as well. They are extracted directly from the marine algae. So you're bypassing the entire fish route to make it accessible to uh, a population that is not okay with fish. You also get uh, omega-3 supplements made from, say, flaxseed oil. And those are, those are good as well. But the thing with, to remember with flaxseed oil is that your body still needs to convert this into the form that it, it uses. So it's, um, if you're supplementing anyway, it's more efficient to supplement with something that your body can utilize as is instead of making it go through the effort and end up with losing out on a lot of the, the value from your supplement. Why not just have the algae? You could, but um, it's not really accessible. And of course, the quantities that you would need, right? So Lots um, of spirulina, like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if, so it's not just, so spirulina has some amounts, but it's not, some, it's not very high in, uh, in, in DHA. It has trace amounts. So normally with these extracts, you need to concentrate it to the point that it's, uh, it's at the level that makes sense to, to supplement with. Um, it's the same argument that why not drink a glass of milk instead of a whey protein? You know, that the whey is coming from the milk, but it needs to be concentrated to a point where it's uh, pure enough to be 
predominantly protein without all the other stuff and um, concentrated enough for it to be an efficient uh, uh, dose. So, you know, when you were talking about omega-3s, it's so important, right? Because there are so many functions that the omega-3 plays in our body. And um, especially for my father, he's 72. I definitely make sure that he gets his omega-3s in because that is essential for brain health, like we were talking about. And as you age, it's important to start getting your omega-3s, taking care of your brain because, you know, like we keep saying that what is the point of aging? But the idea is to age gracefully so that you don't have memory loss. You don't have those kind of issues. And supplementation can also help you with that. Thoughts on it? Absolutely. Absolutely. I completely agree. Uh, The number of roles that that, uh, omega-3s have in our body. So inflammation is one part. What you're talking about, neurological health, is another incredibly important thing. And um, and you know it's not just about the memory because it's the DHA is present in all your nerves. So one part is on aging in a way that that lets you stay as healthy as possible. But the other is even for people, you know, in their thirties and forties, the quality or the level of stimulation of of like brain stimulation, and I don't mean this in an intellectual way, as in physical brain stimulation with uh, with all the devices that we're in front of all the time. It's a lot more than like the amount has changed in the last couple of decades far exceeds what's happened over the last 100,000 years in terms of an evolutionary thing. And if you look at the brain as an organ, it consumes a disproportionate amount of calories to function uh, for something that, that contributes as little to your body in terms of mass. It consumes a lot of energy to function. And so we need to make sure that we're supplying the nutrients it needs to keep uh, doing its job. It's not just about preventing stuff from going wrong later in life. It's also about optimizing things today. Just as an aside on, on the roles that Omega-3 has, there was um, an observation. Again, this is not uh, conclusive proof, but there was a study that came out recently that correlated um, healthy Omega-3 levels with better outcomes in, uh, in the case of COVID, COVID infection. So like that, again, this is in the context of inflammation. The better your body is at regulating inflammation, again, not to say that inflammation is bad all the time, but the better your body is at regulating it, the better everything is going to function. Your circulatory system, your heart, your, um, your immune function, all of these things. And, like, uh, like localized inflammation, good. Chronic inflammation across the body, bad. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And then it's a cascading effect because... How inflammation works is our body doesn't know that, okay, there's a virus coming in from here or there's damage over there that needs to be healed. Something happens, some stuff gets released into the bloodstream and cells of your immune system flock to that place. Now, if that's happening across your body and you're just, you know, putting, keeping your immune system in high gear, it's going to start acting non-specifically, which is what you see in, um, it's actually pretty well defined in terms of uh, skin conditions like eczema. Uh, where there's a clear correlation between uh, between the benefits of omega three and the severity of something like that, especially because you, probably your skin's also uh, omega three plays a big role in the cells in the cell walls. It does. Right? It does yeah. absolutely. It helps in maintain integrity, the the barrier barrier function of our skin as well. Lovely. So, what is uh, the next supplement that we should talk about? I think protein. You touched upon it, saying that a glass of milk versus protein. Yeah. Can you explain the whole concept of whey protein? How is it made and because there's a lot of myth around it, right? Yeah, so um, so whey protein is one of these, uh, the prevalence of it today is one of these, I think, chance happenings that it was a lot of smart people doing the right thing at the right time. Because what is whey? I mean, traditionally, what is whey? 
anyone who's made uh, you know curd dahi at home there's a little bit of watery stuff at the top that's that's essentially whey um or if you're making paneer at home um so what is milk milk is a it's a mixture of water and proteins essentially at at chemically speaking it's it's a bunch of proteins emulsified with water now some of the, there's two broad families of proteins in milk one are called casein proteins and the other are your whey proteins and these are families so within this there's different uh, specific proteins but broadly there's whey's and there's casein when you make cheese any kind of cheese whether it's a paneer or a mozzarella or or whatever what you're basically doing is taking the casein proteins out of that emulsion so you do that either by adding uh, acid like we do with paneer where you add some lime juice or some vinegar or something like that and you you're changing the ph which causes the casein to come out of solution and then you take that and do whatever you want with it to from a diet standpoint but your whey proteins are still in solution and um, that water i mean the the water that's left behind is is basically whey protein suspended in water now the hassle is that um, now next question would be why not just drink that but the issue is that whey proteins make up less than 10% of that solution so what you for this to be efficient what you want to do is remove all the stuff you don't want because what the other stuff that's left in in the solution is uh, basically lactose so you want to remove all that stuff and concentrate the protein to a point where uh, you aren't consuming a ridiculous amount of it so just broadly and i am we are i try to do this at the outset before starting nutrova where you know, we had gone to a cheese manufacturer and, and requested them to give me some whey and try to purify it you need approximately somewhere between uh, 600 and 1000 liters of whey to get 1 kilo of whey protein isolate like that's the order of magnitude that's crazy right imagine drinking yeah. that much not yeah. yeah so it's ridiculous it makes no sense to but if you once the technology gets to a point where you can extract just the protein what you're basically doing is concentrating it like how you would boil down something to to concentrate the salts in it or the sugars in it similar concept you just keep removing the liquid out till what you're left with is a really concentrated collection of proteins so that's basically how whey protein is made so it's not that um, it's some synthetic thing that's going to wreck your kidneys or your liver or something like that it's it's proteins that are found in milk and uh, it's just an efficient way and if you think about the industry as a whole it actually solves the problem for cheese makers because they don't have to dump all this uh, liquid with everything that they make so a lot of dairy companies have invested in this capacity as well so milk to cheese cheese to whey protein correct uh, so with the wastage so yeah so there are no chemicals that go into making the whey protein is it a physical process or is it a chemical process from extracting the protein out of the whey so the first step is getting the cheese out of the uh, out of the the milk i mean it's do you look at cheese production as a chemical process or not i mean that's that's where it would be because you're essentially adding an enzyme to it a rennet which is um, they have recombinant vegetarian ones as well but traditionally rennet came from the stomach of uh, cattle uh, and that causes it to curd if in the okay. case of paneer you're adding an acid which is uh, either like lemon juice um or vinegar which is acetic acid and these are normal foods but they're also standalone chemicals so i don't well, once you have the way what do you do so then you're just concentrating then uh, you're using it's more of a physical process than a chemical one okay. where you're playing around with the, the same way the acid got the the, the caseins out mm. if you play around with the ph you can get to a point where uh, the whey also comes out 
Um, there's different technologies there, but it's more of a physical process. You're not really adding anything to it. Okay. So when people say that ways are all chemical ways, and it's not necessary to think about way as a chemical ingredient. Okay? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So ricotta cheese right. is a whey-based cheese. Okay. So the protein in those kinds of... So they make cheeses out of whey as well. Um, it's just really tedious and low yield. So this would be as chemical as that is. And, you know, just to put it into context, I know this is this is a bit of an oversimplification, but if you think that cheese is chemical, then sure, okay. But it's essentially the same process. Yeah, now, now whenever I tell people about cheese and they say, you cannot take away my cheese. So clearly, people <laughs> do not think cheese is a chemical process because we're like, how dare you even say anything bad about my cheese? <laughs> we're so passionate about cheese we are. Okay, so whey protein is extracted that way. Now, obviously, whey is not vegan, right? We have a whole right. slew of vegan proteins as well. What are vegan proteins? So when we think about proteins, uh, it's, it's important to understand that the proteins are made up of these building blocks called amino acids. And amino acids, there's, there's 20, generally speaking, there's, there's variants also which take it up to 23, 24, but there's 20 basic amino acids that, we, that our body needs. Nine of these we can't make. And um, we need to get these nine from, from the body. In addition to these nine, there are certain of the remaining 11 that are conditionally essential, which means that if there's something wrong, we can't make those either. Uh, wrong could be, uh, we could be exercising too much and there might be, a, might be too much of a demand. So we need to get that from our diet as well. And a balanced diet normally contains all of these amino acids. What makes whey protein a great supplement is it contains all the essential amino acids in really high proportions. So it's an easy, efficient way to get everything. And added to that, whey is really easily broken down by our body. And so its bioavailability is high. Now, when we talk about vegan proteins, um, so technically, you can take protein out of any food. You can take it out of rice. You can take it out of dal. Anything that has protein, you can concentrate. It's same principle as milk. But with vegan proteins, what tends to happen is there's normally, with vegan sources of protein, there's normally one amino acid out of these nine essential ones that is low. It's either entirely missing or it's low, at least one. Which is why, uh, from an evolutionary standpoint, the Indian diet always couples grains with, uh, with dals and legumes, with pulses. Because the, the one amino acid that's missing in a dal is present in a roti. And so if you're taking both together, you're getting all the amino acids. So with vegan proteins, um, they're basically extracting these proteins from these sources. And um, they tend to be low. Uh, it doesn't mean it's zero, but they tend to be low in at least one amino acid, which is why you see products with a blend of uh, rice protein, pea protein, and all these things. So uh, yeah, the, the only thing is from, I mean, this is again, a, as speaking as a product guy, it's a little difficult to flavor vegan proteins. But apart from that, as long as you're conscious of the fact that you would need to either, like if it's a pea protein, for example, it will definitely help out to supplement a vegan diet with that. But being conscious of the fact that it can't be a complete substitute for food because you need to get that balance coming by way of uh, other sources of protein because that oh, one absolutely. amino acid may not be yeah. there. Because they have to supplement, right? They have absolutely. to be on top of whatever else you're having. So making sure that you're having your food is absolutely important. Whether you're vegetarian, non-vegetarian, vegan, irrelevant. You have to get your sources of food first and make sure that you're getting a max out of that. 
then you have the protein that comes on as the top to just make sure that you're getting enough of it. And like, um, and I think vegetarians, vegans especially need a lot more protein. They're just not getting enough. Especially if they are doing things like, I have four katoris of dal. Yeah, but you're not having the rice with it. So if you're not having the rice with the dal, you're not getting your protein. You're not getting your full, uh, the essential proteins that you're talking about, essential amino acids. So it's important to get that, um, that, that complete range of proteins, which is why maybe supplementing with a vegan protein makes a lot of sense uh, for vegans especially. Yeah, and another thing to think about in the context of proteins is the individual specific need. When does someone even consider, even think about how much protein they're having? Mm-hmm. It's either when they're trying to put on muscle or trying to get into shape or they've realized that their diet is like, they're doing something like dramatically wrong. Mm-hmm which would normally mean they've, they're leaning towards uh, you know, high blood sugar or putting on a lot of weight. In each of those situations, if it's um, on the one extreme where there's an increased demand on account of uh, their phys- physical training, they need to up their protein intake, which they can do through their food. You can just eat, you know, instead of four bowls of dal, have eight bowls of dal. But that comes with a cost. A, it's, it's impractical. But B, it's all, dal is also coming with, with starch. Correct. Which is carbs. something that, yeah. Dals are uh, more carbs than protein. Yeah, and that's something that, that needs to be looked at in context. So if you're okay with that and that suits your health goals, great. By all means, get the dal, get the extra four bowls of dal because that's also going to give you minerals, etc., etc. Um, for someone that is trying to increase protein without increasing overall calories or without increasing overall carbohydrate intake, that's when protein supplements really add value, particularly for vegetarians because uh, vegetarians and vegans, vegans more so, because there's also the question of bioavailability. You know, the, the proteins in, so there's this, um, there's this measure called the biological value of a protein where it's compared to an ideal of one or a hundred percent. It's easier to think about it that way. So whey protein has a biological value of one, which means that it's very well absorbed and it has all your amino acids, all the essential amino acids. Pea protein has a biological value of 0.93. So just relatively speaking, uh, that's a function of having less of one particular amino acid and being a little harder to absorb. Not to say that it's not comparable, but if you think about that in terms of food, the same thing applies to animal-derived proteins and uh, plant-derived proteins. The biological value of plant-derived proteins is going to be marginally lower. So if you have a specific goal that involves you getting in more protein, a vegan protein supplement might be a more efficient way to approach that. And again, the the logic is the same. There's no chemicals being added to it. It's the same thing where you're taking the protein out of the food, not adding something to the food to make the protein. Okay. So it's still not a chemically kind of a a reaction that's taking place. Absolutely not. How should people choose a vegan protein? Like, should they choose a pure pea protein? Should they choose a blend of things? What is a good way of looking at vegan protein? So, like, apart from the flavor, I completely agree with you. Like, it's really, really hard to get the taste right. Yes. So, we put a vegan protein out in the market about five years ago. Hmm. And we were working on it a year before that, where uh, we just couldn't flavor it without adding a ton of artificial sweetness to it. And then we started thinking through the problem about, who's actually going to use it. And what we found was, while it's hard to flavor it like a traditional protein supplement, pea protein mixes brilliantly with Indian foods. I mean, you mix it into a roti, you, can't, you don't know it's there. 
you mix it into a dal, you don't know it's there. And we just figured that if, you know, for vegans who are conscious of what they're eating, this is a nice way to top up the intake. And so pea protein for us works really well in terms of a compliance perspective where it's easy for someone to incorporate it into their lives regularly. And so we prefer an unflavored pea protein. But if this is going to be the primary uh, source of protein for someone and they're not incorporating it into the foods they eat, um, something that contains a mix of proteins, like a rice and a pea, might be a little more balanced. So, yeah, we have a bias towards pea protein, obviously. I mean, full disclosure, we have a product that's an unflavored pea protein. But from a balanced perspective, if this is all that they are depending on, and they're like, okay, I'm not changing anything about my diet, but I'm going to take a supplement, then something that has a collection of uh, vegan proteins in it would probably be a little more helpful. But again, the the incremental benefit is not all that much because in 20 grams of pea protein versus 20 grams of a blend, your variance is going to be on half a gram of a particular amino acid. It's not going to be some dramatic uh, change. And if you're eating other foods, which you should be, um, that's going to get covered. Understood. Okay, great. Before going ahead, we'll take a quick break. And we are back. Um, now let's talk about something else that, again, vegans find it hard to get or it's impossible to get maybe for them, which is collagen, right? It's, collagen right. is such an important um, you know, nutrient that we need to have. Tell us a little bit about collagen. Right. So, um, so collagen is a really, really interesting uh, protein. 60% of the protein in our body is collagen. And it makes up... Um, a large proportion of our of our skin. It's in our joints. And what's really interesting that it also lines our gut. So um, collagen serves to give our body structure. And in many places like the gut and the skin, it forms sort of a, a biological barrier to, to external things. In our gut, the food we eat is, is essentially the external environment. And yeah, our skin, it's like a foreign object going into us. Absolutely. Mm. And uh, collagen in our skin, it, it's like this barrier between uh, all the pollution and UV radiation and all that and the insides of our body. So collagen is incredibly important. And like we you know, touched on in the, uh, the previous uh, conversation we had, is formed by our body using the amino acids from the food we eat and vitamin C. Now, what happens with collagen production is that it slows down as we age. The older we get, the the longer it takes us to, for us, for our body to make collagen. And what was found out is that if you take collagen peptides, which are basically broken down pieces of collagen, broken down to a very specific size, they aren't digested further. So, you know, like we mentioned for the whey protein, where whey protein is digested really easily. If you have collagen peptides of a particular size, they're not digested further, they're absorbed as it is. And they go into your bloodstream and actually deposit in the formation of new collagen. And there was a really cool study they did to show this. It was uh, where they put like tags on the amino acids in the collagen and found uh, the intact peptides incorporated into the skin. So no change yeah. had taken place to them. Yeah, but these are really directly tiny. absorbed and put in. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, so these are really tiny. So these are two and three amino acid uh, long. Hmm. Now, the thing with collagen is it's not a complete protein. It's missing some of the essential amino acids. 
So using just collagen as your source of protein makes no sense from a, say, a muscle building perspective. But if your goal is to improve collagen formation and the overall health of the collagen in your body, whether it's for your skin, for your joints, for your gut, whatever it is, getting these collagen peptides um, is really important because it's a very unique chain. It's these very specific uh, amino acids, glycine, proline, and hydroxyproline. And hydroxyproline is something your body has to make. You're not going to get it in too many foods. And these particular peptides in different permutations and combinations of two and three amino acid length are absorbed whole. So that's a really interesting thing about collagen. And, uh, you know, a lot of the issues that you see coming up as you age, the easiest to understand is wrinkles. Why do wrinkles form? Your skin, like I said, is predominantly collagen. And there's this every day that we're out in the sun, whatever we are doing, there is some damage happening on a cellular level. We get to a stage, it varies from person to person. I mean, you'll see 60-year-olds with less wrinkles than a 30-year-old than a sometimes. But it varies a lot on your lifestyle and you know, things like smoking, etc. Habits that might accelerate uh, cellular aging. But that microscopic damage builds up over time. And if you think about collagen as, uh, think of it as a brick wall. Like if the bricks are being damaged slowly, 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 and you aren't replacing it with a new brick every time, eventually you're going to have a gap in that wall. And because our ability to make collagen is slowing down, we can't repair the collagen being damaged as quickly. And that over time leads to a wrinkle. So now think about a similar thing happening in the context of our joints or our gut. Now, you know, I, I would imagine that uh, a lot of the people that would fit into our demographic would drink fairly regularly. And alcohol at the end of the day is going to, it is, I want to use the word corrosive because that sounds extreme, but it does have an effect on the gut. So do certain kinds of foods, so does so do certain you know lifestyle habits, but there's damage happening to your gut over time. Now, it's not going to happen overnight, but you see a lot of people in their uh, 30s and 40s suddenly having, you know, symptoms of, say, an IBS or uh, issues with uh, digestion in general. And not to say that it is IBS, but there, there is a correlation between uh, collagen and digestive health as well. Uh, again, not to say that collagen is going to cure any of those diseases, but damaged uh, ba the epithelial barrier in your gut. Uh, that can be a, the damage to that can be addressed with collagen supplementation as well. Whatever uh, little you can do, at least do that. Yeah, and there's all of these tremendous uh, benefits, and the crazy thing is that they're not new, because bone broth, stocks, soups like you know a, a basic chicken soup. So what is collagen? So the collagen that's present in in us, it's actually the, the interesting thing about collagen is it's present in every every vertebrate. So birds. Um, any mammal, even uh, even like uh, anything with a with a backbone, essentially has collagen. From the food we eat, if we think about a chicken soup, what what we're basically doing is where the collagen is found in the bones. So you're cooking it long enough for the collagen to break down into collagen peptides. And the longer you cook it, the more it breaks down. But that's very non-specific. You know, you can't say that, okay, I'm going to cook this chicken for one and a half hours and I'm going to have uh, collagen peptides of 3,000 to 5,000 Dalton size. You can't do that. Um, 
and if you could please tell us how because we would love to uh, to figure that out um so what what happens with the collagen with collagen peptides that we use as supplements is it's broken down in a, the collagen from uh, these sources is broken down in a very controlled way and uh, is broken down to that particular size that is absorbed directly and that's what gives you the benefits so we've known historically that bone broths are good for your gut they're good for your skin they're good for your joints but this is taking that one step further i'm taking what is good from the bone broths and putting it in a dose that is measurable accurately so that you know that okay i need to take so much for these benefits to happen to me what is the best way of taking collagen as a supplement so or when is there a timing for it so there's a if you're taking it for your for actually there's a marginal a very very marginal benefit to taking it at night or late in the day because a lot of the recovery in our body happens when we're sleeping so there's a marginal benefit to that for sure mm. but um the other what what's important is that you take it every day because if you're not uh, taking it on a daily basis the benefits aren't as uh, as compounded because you want to maintain levels of collagen peptides in your body for an extended period of time Hmm. so that your body can draw on those peptides when it needs to repair something so uh, but again as long as you take it every day the difference between taking it at different times is much better best okay so taking collagen making sure that you're regular on it is when you're going to see the the best results it is not something that you need to you know uh, it's not one of those things saying that you you take it for a while and then you stop and you see how you're feeling because you're not going to see that change taking place dramatically right it, it takes a while for these changes to to start taking place yeah um, so we did this study on the collagen product we have so what we did was for 30 days we gave a group of people a placebo and measured their skin using instruments 3d imaging and a doctor actually checking them before the placebo and after 30 days of the placebo they were checked again then they were given the product for another 60 days and they were checked at 30 and 60 days and what we saw was that certain changes started at day 30 so a reduction in wrinkle width improvements in uh, in skin texture uh, decrease in pore size pore volume rather these things started at day 30 but by day 60 you started seeing changes in pigmentation in uh, dark circles all of that wow. so it's compounded over time so i think sticking to these is important Actually I loved our conversation on these three supplements you know it's so important to have these conversations because these are things that there is so much myth around right like should we be taking this should we be not be taking this and um, and demystifying it is absolutely important yeah so actually um thank you so much for coming and discussing these supplements with us how can people find out more about you know what you're doing the fantastic company that you've built and you know um ask you questions about these things um so People can reach out to us on social media. It's um, at Nutrova on Instagram, and uh, all the research that we've done, all the information on our products, everything's on our website. Uh, that's Nutrova dot com. And uh, yeah, uh, we'd love to answer any questions that people may have. Feel free to reach out to us. And in addition to the products, what we genuinely believe is we need to get information out there to get people more aware. And yeah, I'm really grateful that there's platforms like this where, where people actually do that. Love it, love it. Thank you so much, Akshay. Thank you. Thanks, Akshay. So start these habits and share with us your progress using the hashtag #TheHabitCoach. If you like this podcast, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network. You can listen to us on the IVM podcast app or ivmpodcast.com. You can also follow us on social media. We are at IVM Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to reach out to me, I am Ashden Doc. on Twitter and Instagram. 
You can find lots more information on my website, awesome180.com or check out different content on my YouTube channel called A-W-E-S-O-M-E 180. That's Awesome 180. 